Welcome to Watchmen Minute, where we take a look at the director's cut of Zack Snyder's Watchmen one minute at a time. My name is Travis Bowe from the Real Comic Heroes podcast. And I'm Eric Nash. And I'm George Hendricks from the Mogwai Minute. Welcome, George. Hey, hey I'm back. I'm how, back. You, how you been? I've been great. Good. I've been great. The couch was nice. <laughs> Thanks. Good, good. So, Minute 13 starts with Detectives Fine and Gallagher discussing the state of the apartment and ends with Rorschach firing his grappling hook into the vacant apartment. Just the visual here, the uh, the slow zoom out, which then all of a sudden it kind of, it's not real jarring, but it, all of a sudden it kind of gets to be a lot faster of a zoom out and showing <laughs> yeah. a, whole bunch, a whole bunch of the city at that point. Yeah, and I love how they just... There's just another one of those like visual storytelling motifs where they can show you, oh, this is New York, but it's just not the New York you're used to because it's a little different. There's different buildings, and but there's still recognizable buildings, and there's dirigibles and right. things floating in the sky, which you don't have. And just, just enough to let you know it's just off enough to be different. And so kind of like setting up the stage of you don't really know what to expect from here on out. Yeah, that's a good way to, to look, about, look at it and um... – I mentioned back in like minute five when we've got we're outside Eddie's apartment looking in during the fight and you can see a reflection of the Chrysler building. And in second 15 of this minute, we pull back and we see a little bit more of the reflection of the Chrysler building again. And so it zooms all the way out. Um, you get a, that, that big kind of wide view of the uh, the a bit of the New York skyline. And when it reaches around second 20, we're fully zoomed out. You can clearly see the Empire State Building on the left side of the screen. Mm-hmm. And so we yep. know then, based on the reflection, we know that the Chrysler Building is then behind us. Uh-huh. Um, so spatially, I don't know if this works, but I've looked at <laughs> Google Maps with 3D buildings and, and just trying to get a sense of where we're at in New York. So I'm definitely going to need some help from our uh, New York resident listeners. But I think based on where the Chrysler building is in, in relation to the Empire State Building, that we're somewhere near Bryant Park, um, possibly somewhere near the uh, um, the New York uh, Central or New York City Library, um, where Peter Parker was supposed to go on that fateful night when he yeah. really went to a wrestling match. So, uh, But that's just a guess. If, uh, like I said, if listeners can watch this minute and try to get a better sense of where we're at, that would... Uh, be a big help for us for the uh, the Watchmen Minute walking tour that will eventually be available. <laughs> it's audio only, obviously. Yes, yes. <laughs> New York City, one minute at a time. <laughs> there has to be a New York City walking tour based on film locations. Oh, I'm sure there is. Because yeah. like every corner in New York has been shot at some point yeah. in some way, shape, or form. When we were in Chicago, I uh, I managed to walk past the uh, the place where they shot High Fidelity. Okay, that was really fun. The the record store. Yeah, well, huh. it was. Yeah, it, now it's an apartment or yeah. like a yeah something else now. But yeah, it used to be cool. um the record store. Right on. That would be a good movie by minute. <laughs> yeah. The music ones are. I mean, that's probably why I'm partially attracted to this as well. Besides being comics, this is the good music. So the detectives continue talking. 
Talking about uh, drawers open, tossed through, mattress flipped, probably robbery. And then they address the uh, the photo of, of Blake with the president, which um, goes back to what I was talking about uh, last minute. And then the other one says, wonders if Blake was a spook, government, black ops kind of thing. And, and we've got Gallagher saying that he thinks it's uh, way bigger than both of us. So he's, he's not wrong. Yeah, yeah. He's a smart man. So are these guys just going through the motions here? Are they are they trying to to find clues? Are they just going through this routine thing? And obviously their their job isn't necessarily to take the photos. Someone else is in the room taking the photos and dusting for prints, I assume, and that kind of thing. But, you know, what are these guys really hoping to accomplish? I don't know, eliminating the suspects. You know, usually if it looks like a robbery, they have to be able to print prints for, you know, make yeah. sure that people that they're like, okay, you were here, you were here. You know, sometimes yeah. it, if it's a crime of passion, they have to be able to exclude people. They got to be able to find out what are his prints versus the attacker's prints and that sort of thing. So, you know, just basic busy police work. Yeah, I just get a very lackadaisical, um, disinterested vibe from, from these two guys. So... Well, also you got to keep in mind if if it's been you know, it's maybe sort of that sort of like the wheel keeps turning. So there that we open up with the unrest and civil disobedience involving you know the the mass vigilantes versus the cops. Yeah. Um. So now the mass vigilantes are now uh um gone into hiding because of the Keen Act, and now the cops have been around for a while, and maybe they're just getting lazy again. Yeah. Because it's been about 10 years since that happened. So they're like, yeah, whatever. We're union. We got this. <laughs> right. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, anything else on kind of the apartment scene? Or, uh, George, I think you mentioned the dirigibles we had floating in the sky. I didn't didn't really even take any notes on that. I, I think I was so fixated on where we were in, in New York that I completely overlooked the... Um, those elements. So Yeah, other than the fact that one is a giant elephant. Yeah, yeah. And it says Gunga Gunga Palace. Or Gunga, that on Gunga Diner. It's, Gunga Diner. Yeah. So that's definitely what it is in the comic. Gunga Diner. That is a faithful adaptation. Totally. Um. Yeah. I don't really have anything on this section of the of the minute. So. No. We cut to blowing street trash and uh, a mysterious uh, fedora figure coming into the frame. Yeah. Um, before we get to him, I do want to talk about that street trash. If you freeze frame it just right, the the newspaper, which is what's blowing around, actually says uh, doomsday clock at 5 to midnight. Um, Still I can, better I, than I, now. What's that? Yeah, Still yeah. better than now. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um I couldn't make out a, a, a super clear image of that because it was, you know, like obviously it's not really meant to be um, on screen and visible or, or legible, but um, I think the back page of that newspaper features, I think, a Pale Horse advertisement, which in the comic, uh, Pale Horse is like a music group that uh, it's it's like throughout the entire book. It's like, you know, they're coming. They're almost here. Uh you know, there it's like announcing a uh, a rock concert that is soon to be or fast approaching kind of thing, um, and I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that 
pale horse in the Bible is from the book of Revelation, a horse ridden by death, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So throughout the entire story, having this, uh, you know, uh, advertisements saying pale horse, you know, is, is nearly here, you know, basically saying, you know, death is almost here. So just like, just like the doomsday clock, which we have on the front page of this newspaper, you know, the band itself is kind of like a herald of the approaching, you know, darkness to come kind of thing. So did either of you ever read, um, on a pale horse by Pierce Anthony? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got a whole series of, uh, it, it, it's, I can't remember the, the name of the series, but it's based on incarnations. Oh, yeah. Incarnations of Immortality. That's what it is. And it's all based on like time and death and nature. And, and he writes this whole bunch of books on this sort of stuff. It's really interesting. And the one on death, I feel, is like one of the best ones because some of them are, you know, eh. But that one's really interesting. And, and anytime you can factor in uh, biblical like aspects of doom and dis- misfortune into like modern fiction and stuff like that i really enjoy it like uh good omens big fan of that book as well because it's it's basically the the hol- the not the holocaust wrong thing the uh the apocalypse but told by like if monty python wrote it which okay. is fantastic yeah so if you haven't read the good omens read that too is that terry pratchett terry pratchett and neil gaiman okay yeah that. okay i i i for some reason i mostly associate the you know the pale horse or or you know Death rode a pale horse from the Johnny Cash song uh, mm-hmm. when the when the man comes comes around. Yep. Yeah. So kind of talking about uh, some biblical biblical stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, we've got a, a mysterious, uh, dark clad person um, in entering the frame. And uh, what do you guys got on on this guy? Uh. He's real cool. <laughs> he's my favorite. <laughs> he's, he's yeah. He's my favorite. It's not a big deal or anything. He's just whatever. He's just yeah. the best character in the whole movie. It's cool. <laughs> whatever. <Nah. laughs> oh man. Well, he starts talking, but he's not actually talking. It's a voiceover. Yep. From you know, inner monologue. He says a date, so it kind of gives an indication that this is the. Uh, the journal that uh, plays a very important part in my mind to the plot of the of, of both of both really yeah it's book definitely the movie. framework of both yeah the yeah. book and the and then the movie i guess he's mentioned you know it being uh, october 12th 1985 and i just you know did a quick search for october 12th and any um historically significant things on on this date trying to maybe suss out like is there a reason that alan moore picked you know, October 12th for the first date, you know, is there anything significant about it? Um, and I found in 1492, October 12th, Christopher Columbus expedition makes landfall in the Caribbean, specifically in the Bahamas. So this is when he believes he has reached the Indies. Um, in 1875, Aleister Crowley, English magician and author (laughs) is born. There he is. There he is. Um, so maybe it's significant because of the birth date of Aleister Crowley. Um, 1901. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Um, 1901, President Theodore Roosevelt officially renames the executive mansion to the White House. 
And then in 1970, Vietnam War, U.S. President Richard Nixon announces that the United States will withdraw 40,000 troops before Christmas. So those are just a few, like, I don't know, key... Pretty auspicious dates. Yeah, yeah. And Although, the... honestly, I honestly feel like the Crowley thing was probably the that did it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Crowley's birthday. All right. <laughs> oh, oh, hey, Alan. Since we have you here, Alan, is it okay that we do this podcast? No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> You can be um, our Matt Gourley. <laughs> there you oh, go. God. If you've ever heard his Ian Fleming. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, very, oh, yeah. I love I his... say. Yeah. I the say. The Jamaican estate. Oh, yes. 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 I'm very familiar with uh, Matt Gourley's Ian Fleming. It's mm. one of my favorite impersonations. Cheerio and Top Top and all that. <laughs> oh, um, good stuff. Yeah. Um, back to Watchmen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So... Super ego minute. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it could be though. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. What's he does the or, or someone's doing the pistol shrimp minute or something? Oh yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Him and uh, Mark McConville okay. do that as well. Yeah. Uh well. Anyways, back to uh, what Rorschach here is talking about. Um, dog carcass in alley this morning. Tired tread on burst stomach. The city's afraid of me. I've seen its true face. What? What is he talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> he definitely doesn't notice the the good things in life. No, no. Um, yeah, because he goes on to say that the streets are extended gutters and the gutters are full of blood. When the drains finally scab over, all the vermin will drown. So um, that's what we get a little bit before he you know, pulls out his grapple gun. Um, See, that's why I find Rorschach so like since we his, this is like his introduction. I find yeah. him so fascinating because. He is a nihilist with a code. Yes. He, he he is just, he has given up on every shred of humanity. He doesn't think it's worth anything, but he still can't let things go. He still tries to do the good thing, the right thing. And he doesn't, like, he doesn't want to, but it's almost like, and if, if he had this weird compulsion, like some people are OCD, his OCD thing is to do the best thing he can. So it, that's why he's so compelling because he's 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 this weird paradigm of of insane like just I don't care and obviously like very much passionately caring like he almost cares too much like it's broken him like everyone else is either like just dark or idealistic or just blasé you know they have their their moments but he's the only one who is like actively like passionately pursuing his 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 intensity and it's, it's it's brilliant that's why i like him so much mm. that's awesome i was going to save this for next minute but it i mean it applies equally to to this minute just uh rorschach in general kind of who the character is that kind of stuff just uh you know obviously we've not seen a whole lot of them yet but you know throughout the movie jackie earl haley here really only plays him one way um anytime we see him he's only ever rorschach like Obviously, like a big part of that character is the ink blot style mask that uh, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself, which we'll see a little bit later. Um, but that's connected to the character because it's only ever black and white. You know, there's never any gray area. It's only you know it's wrong or right. You can you can take that analogy and, and um, you know victim or you know attacker that kind of thing. Like he sees things as black or white. And that's what's so cool about him is the fact that he doesn't 
he only wears the mask to conceal his face. It's not like it is his identity, whereas everybody else puts on a costume and it becomes their their persona. Whereas he is he is him. He is always only him. Yeah, yeah. Um, based on the DC Comics character, The Question. So some of uh, Dave Gibbons' early sketches for what, uh, for Rorschach had him in a head-to-toe black-and-white bodysuit that was doing the ever-changing inkblot-style thing. Um, and then one sketch added the trench coat and hat over the top of the bodysuit, so it kind of blended a little bit of both. But then somewhere somewhere down the road, they decided just to make it the just just the mask and then with you know basically wearing a suit and a trench coat so and in the absolute watchman edition of of the book it's got all these notes in the, in the back and everything and talks about um the question and rorschach kind of um either or being he's a murderer psychopath or saint question mark uh quintessential ditko cuz the question was a Di- uh, steve ditko character um, utterly alone, implacable, ruthless, unpredictable, a wild card. Um, it says Bronson in quotation marks, which I think hmm. in a lot of the Charles, other Charles yeah, Bronson, yeah, in a lot of the other characters, they had um, actors' names like who maybe who would portray them or who they're similar to that kind of thing, um, and then lonely as well. So it says sees the world as immoral, flabby, and in need of strict moral code. So um, I think George, I think you already mentioned his moral code and and kind of his, you know, what's what's driving him. So yeah, I just like the fact that even his name is like the test to determine whether or not you're crazy. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> it's like it's just another psychological evaluation that you know. Yeah, like and I mean not to get too far, but later when he takes the test, it's one of the most amazing meta moments. <laughs> I and mean, like, I love it. It's it's brilliant. And there was actually uh, one other uh, comic book character that uh, that uh, either either the question or Rorschach or both in a sense maybe were modeled after. It's, it's so someone Mr. called Mister A. Hmm. So. I'm not familiar. Yeah, nor no, I. It came up in my little bit of research. Okay. So if anyone um, knows more about that. Yeah. I had one question about the the grapple gun itself. Or not really a question, just, um, just the fact that I'm a little dubious of the amount of cabling is in Rorschach's gun here because I just did a quick, you know, internet search, and obviously that'll be... Um, you know, no question to its validity, but I did. I, I found like a, a, a stories converter. So thirty stories roughly equals three hundred and twenty-four point eight feet. And yeah, I'm just a little, a little dubious on the the cabling being long enough. I mean, I know it's it's probably pretty thin, but I don't know. I got a well, he is a small guy, so I mean, it might not. Yeah, you know, require, I'm just probably like 110, 115 pounds. He's not very big. Sure. <laughs> well, as long as he never has to uh, uh, lift up someone else too. Yeah. Like, a, and if uh, they don't lie about their weight. Yeah, and don't mm-hmm. lie about your weight either. This veil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 108, I think. 
<laughs> You're more than 108. <laughs> that was my question about the, the gun, anyways. Yeah, it. I mean, it was funny, like, watching this, you did notice, like, that is an awfully long grappling Yeah, line. yeah. For such a small, like, cartridge that it spools out of, you know. Like, it, maybe if it had a bigger, you know... Like a big drum magazine yeah, on it? Yeah, a bigger you, you, drum yeah. That, that feeds all that, that cable. I, I might buy that a little bit easier, but I don't know. Um, I mean, because they could have easily rewrote it to, say, 15 stories, or you know, I don't know why 30 is the the desired number, but... That's a good, uh, it's a good, like, apartment high... Yeah. It's like a good status number. It's like, sure. you know, if you're 10, 20, it's like, okay. But if you're 30, it's like, oh, you're up there. Right, right. When when it does pull out, you see that he is pretty close to the top there. Pen, I don't know if it's penthouse. Yeah. Consider, yeah. Surely considered penthouse or pretty close to it, if not. Yeah. Yep. It's hard to get a sense of, does Eddie, does Blake live in a really nice place or does he live in kind of a shithole? So. No, I think it's a really nice, but it's like a, it's like a really fancy one bedroom apartment, really. Yeah. It's, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of rooms to it. But I mean, it's got a really, I was looking when the, earlier when they were doing the, uh, you know, like the, the once over and had like the lazy cops walking around. I was like, man, that's a really well appointed, very large open living room space. He's got nice stuff in, in the place for sure. Um, I think, I guess it's just the, the lighting and everything and how that kind of the texture of how the scene is shot, that everything's dark and, and grimy almost looking that it makes it seem like he's living in squalor almost. Cause he's sitting around in a, what looks to be a dirty, gross bathrobe, you know? Um, but yeah, I think once it's, uh, when you think about it, yeah, he probably is living in a pretty decent place, but not according to, uh, what Rorschach's talking about. Cause he's based on what he's said so far, it's the, the city is just a, a cesspool. So. Yeah. It still take a long time for the suit to the gutters and the streets to back up to 30 stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With all the accumulated filth of all their sex and murder. But are, are, are we saying that, uh, Eddie Blake is a, is vermin. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> it's, <going to> drown? <laughs> it's probably putting it nicely. Do we know that? <laughs> hmm. Um, you guys got anything else for, for minute 13? I love the way when he shoots it up there, it just happens to completely oh. pop right in the middle of the exit of the, uh, oh, yeah. the police line. I mean, I love that. I'm like, of course. I mean, yeah, it's not just going to like just get there. It's going to pop right through the middle. and It drags across the floor and catches right perfectly. It's almost weird because I expect when you see the hook like uh, backing up towards that uh, that metal window frame, you expect like both or two of the little hooks to to grab on, but it seems like only one of those hooks is really doing all the work. So it's just kind of off center enough that it's not really being, it's not like two of the hooks aren't really grabbing hold. It's only one of them. So let's get the job done. That's all that matters. Yeah, no, it totally gets the job done. Like like you've said, you know, Rorschach probably doesn't weigh a weigh a ton, so. It gets the well, job more done. On, more on that to come next minute. I have some things to say there. Okay. So we'll hold off. <laughs> okay. Um, There's yeah, some physics any... uh, issues I have. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that and more on the next episode of Watchmen Minute. Um, yeah. Anything else? No, nope. I'm good. good. All right. So I think that'll do it for minute 13. Um, George, anything you want to plug? Um. 
Yeah, um, the Mogwai Minute is my baby for now. Um, we're plugging along at it, and you know, we we have a Facebook page also. It's a Mogwai Minute. Like everything, Twitter, Instagram, everything is the Mogwai Minute because once you have a name that works, just why why mix it up? So the website, the um, it's really easy to find us. We're on Instagram. We're on, sorry, we're on uh, iTunes. We're on Google Play. Um, hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll be on Spotify, but that's something I'm working on. Yeah. yeah so definitely encourage uh, our listeners to head over to Mogwai Minute and check out uh, everything that George and, uh, and Neil got going on over there. And we want to ask... George, about uh, a little bit of history, uh, if, if, if he wants to impart anything about uh, whether it's the book or the movie, just like when you saw it or when you read it or just any, any kind of little anecdote. I have the, I have this weird, vaguely contrarian streak in me when someone says this is amazing, you got to try this. I typically don't. And it's just, I don't know. I, I've gotten less as I've gotten older. But when I was younger, you know, almost 10 years ago, People kept more more than that. People kept talking about like, oh, you got to read The Watchmen. It's so good. And I'm like, eh, I don't know, graphic novels. Eh, I don't know, whatever. And then the movie came out, and it just like visually, it was like, wow, well, I need to go check that out. So I went and saw it in the theater, and it blew me away. And so then I immediately turned around and like went and found the graphic novel and read that. Very different, very different approach normally. But as the thing is, I I very much appreciated the movie for what it was without having access to the source material and being able to be like, wow, that's not like that is this is different. So I really, I really enjoyed the movie for what it was trying to do, which is tell this really dark, compelling story about these broken people. And like, you know, this world is just like just running out of gas and that sort of thing. Um, and then reading the, the book, I was like, Oh, that's really cool. But I, I feel like just the way the, the story is portrayed, I like them both. But I mean, just because of the more fantastical elements, which I won't get into because I want to ruin it, the, the novel, I prefer the movie as far as just, just a straight story. Very cool. So there, send your letters to... <laughs> cool. So uh, I guess we will be back um, Thursday for Minute 14. All right. So yeah, I'll be here. Good. Yeah. The fold-out couch hasn't got me yet. Oh, good. It's a little lumpy, but you know. You got to sleep at an angle. You can't just too straight. Otherwise, <laughs> right. You got to offset that bar in the middle. Yeah, the bar. <laughs> the bar will get you. Yeah. Every time. All right. So, who watches The Watchmen? We, we do. do. One minute. One, One minute, minute at a time. time. <laughs> Watchmen are over. Better win for the times they are changing. <laughs>